Genesis chapter 13. As you're turning there, um, just a random thought from uh, something I was reading this week. I was reading the biography of, or a biography on William uh, Tyndall, and uh, what a privilege it is for us to even have a Bible in our hands. And, uh, and what I mean by that is guys like William Tyndall would say, even if it takes me having to die, uh, I want to see a Bible in people's language for even the farmer uh, doing the plowing in the field. And so that's why we have uh, Bibles in our English language today, guys like him. Um, so just remember that as we study God's word today and as we understand it uh, in English, we don't have to learn uh, the original language is even as good as they are. <laughs> Some of us still have to uh, Well, <laughs> hey, I wasn't saying I know. <laughs> it went in my mind and out. Um, right. <laughs> so, like a lot of things. But let's stand up as we read God's word. Genesis chapter 13. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. From the, from the Negev, he went from the place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's or Abram's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and Pezerites were living in the land at that time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt toward Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. The word of the Lord. Amen. You guys can take a seat. All right, so if you guys remember, in chapter 12, 
where we, we have been going through the whole book here of Genesis, chapter 12, we were, we were reminded that Abraham was a sinner saved by grace, just like every one of us, right? How was he a sinner by grace? Well, he tried to pass off his wife as his sister, okay? It was kind of a fail. It was not a time when that, that saying, happy wife, happy life, <laughs> didn't apply that time, okay? The wife was not happy. No wife feels special and cared for when he says to his wife, hey, why don't you pretend to be my sister so we don't get killed? But Abraham was a sinner saved by grace just like you and me. And today we are continuing to look at that fact, uh, but also on a more positive light as we see Abraham's faith expressed in this situation, this problem that has arisen between him and his nephew, Lot. This morning we're going to see that God's perfect faithfulness demands a faithful response. God's perfect faithfulness demands a faithful response. And this morning our outline is very simple. Two points. Faith expressed and faith blessed. Faith expressed and faith blessed. So let's dive here into the first one. Faith expressed. See, moments ago we read the story of the separation between Abram and Lot. But up until now, Abram and Lot stuck together. And see, it's important for us to realize that even from the very beginning, Abram had a heart for Lot, his nephew. Now what happened earlier we saw was that Abram's brother died. Abram's brother died, and what did he do? He kind of took on that role as father, as, a, as almost an adopted father. He lovingly stepped out and said, you know what? My brother has died. I'm going to take care of his son, which is Lot. And so we see his heart here for his nephew and saying, come and be a part of my family. And so from this, uh, this beginning time here in Genesis 12, we see Abram and Lot stuck together. And they're going to be that way for the next few chapters uh, all the way through part of the story until they separate even more. But we see here Abram's heart for his nephew. But there was a problem that arose here. And we just read about that problem. Verse 6, the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were too great. Right? Their possessions were getting too big, and they were having growing pains. I don't know if anybody remembers the uh, TV series back in the 90s, Growing Pains. Does anybody remember? All right. So I remember that. Not that kind of growing pains, but the kind of growing pains that a family has when they're getting too big inside of a one-bedroom house or a two-bedroom house, right? And I don't know if you guys have ever been in that situation where you're all trying to share that one bathroom, right? And so everybody's trying to get ready for the morning. Everybody's trying to brush their teeth. You're bumping into each other. Someone's going to the bathroom. The other person's brushing their teeth. You're all cramped, right? In a small house, it's growing pains. And as the family gets bigger and bigger, something's got to happen, Right? You either got to get a bigger house or you got to kick some people out. Maybe it's time to kick the 29-year-old uh, that's sleeping on my sofa. Kick them out and say, get on, your up, get on your own, you know. But growing pains, we've all been through that scenario. And here Abram and his family and Lot and his family were going through growing pains to the point where their herdsmen were starting to get in fights with one another. Right? Now think about this. Back in that day, your herd was your money right? That was to show how wealthy you were. 
And so when you have herds, you need places to feed them, right? And so the problem was that the, the herds wouldn't, aren't being fed enough from the current land. And so Abram comes up with a solution to the problem. The solution Abram gives here in verses 8 and 9 is to separate their ways. Okay? Simple enough. Let's separate and let's go different places so our flocks can eat. But what Abram does here is very interesting. And I think it's, it's important for us to slow down and stop and think about Abram's decision. What does Abram do? He gives Lot first choice. Think about that. He gives Lot first choice. Now, did Abram have to do that? No. As the head of the covenant that God had made with Abram in Genesis chapter 12, as the, the uncle, as the one that's older, he could have said, you know what? I am going to choose the best lot for myself. But let's think here about Abram's faith as he chose to do what he did. Listen again to verse 9. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, I will go to the right. If you take the right hand, I will go to the left. Now let's remember what God promised Abram in chapter 12. God made a promise to Abram. I will give you a land and I will give you a people. He said, I will give you a land, a promised land, and I will give you a people. And you know what? As, as the head of the covenant, as the patriarch, Abram didn't have to give Lot that first pick of the best ground. And yet, he did. Abram shows incredible faith in God's sovereign plan and says, you know what? It doesn't matter what you choose, Lot. God's going to make good on his promise no matter what. It doesn't matter. You choose the left, I'll go to the right. You choose the right, I'll go to the left. God said it. And so why should I doubt it? Abraham shows a flexible, humble faith in God. When we bring our summer teams in for the summertime, we tell them to have the number one thing they're supposed to have is what? Flexible, pioneering spirit. Just right. <laughs> That's right. Flexible, That's right. pioneering spirit. That's what Abraham shows here, right? He's flexible for the Lord. He's trusting in God. He's showing faith. He's saying, you know what? God's got this, so why do I need to worry? But how could Abram trust God enough to give Lot that first pick? Think about this from his perspective. What if he picked the best grazing grounds for his animals and left Lot with the worst ground? What if Lot's choice would jeopardize the health and well-being of Abram's family? What if it would jeopardize the fulfillment of God's promise to him? I mean, we've got to also understand that Abram's a human. He has doubts and questions just like you and me. And so he must have been faced with that reality. What if God's not going to be good on his promise? What do I have to take? What if I have to take this into my own hands and secure it for myself? We've all been there. But you know what Abram did? Remember, we've been going back to Hebrews 11. Listen again. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And further down, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. 
And he went out not knowing where he was going. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Think about that for a minute. The secret is Abraham believed God. And he showed it by the way that he expressed his faith. The way he lived out his life. He wasn't just doing lip service saying, yeah, yeah, God, I trust you. But then his life was doing something different. No, he was saying, God, I trust you. And it shows itself in his life in this very situation between Abram and Lot. When God said he would do something for Abram, Abram realized that it was as good as done. That he could take that promise to the bank. He could believe that promise in the midst of that struggle, in the midst of that strife, because he was looking forward to that ultimate promised land. He was looking forward to that ultimate people, nation that God would give him. He was looking forward. Remember what Pastor Santos said last week. Faith takes God at his word, even when all evidence seems to the contrary. When all the evidence is stacked against you, when it seems like all odds are against what God has told you is going to happen, faith believes God and takes him at his word. But what did also Pastor Santos say? He also said faith is primarily focused on what God will do in the present, in the future, in the future, right? Yes, there are some things that are going to happen here in the present, but there is a future reality of the heavenly city that he is looking forward to that drives his present decisions, his present thinking. That's why Abraham could say, Lot, I'm going to give you first choice because my God, he's got this. My God is in control. My God is going to fulfill his promise that he made to me. He believed that. And so Lot had to make a choice. Let's look at this for just a brief moment. In verse 10, Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered. Now, it would be interesting to take a look here, if we had time, at Lot's kind of downward progression here, right? As Lot kind of step by step, choice by choice, chose to walk away from God and walk away from walking by faith, and walking by sight. That's what happened here. He saw that the land was beautiful. And it was a lush land. The Jordan Valley. And he said, you know what? I'll take that one. Now this reminded me of something. I have three small kids. My kids aren't in here right now. So I can tell this story. But when we scoop out ice cream. Right? On maybe say a Friday night. A special treat. And uh, for some reason, you know, one bowl gets bigger than the other one. And you give somebody first choice. What do they do? They say, I will pick that one, right? I'm not going to give that one to my brothers and sisters. I'm going to take that one, right? That's what Lot does here. Lot makes a choice by what? He makes a choice by sight. He sees that the land is beautiful. And the text here is making a clear distinction between by faith and by sight. He looks by sight and sees this is good. My animals are going to love this. My herd's going to grow. Life is going to be good. I'm going to do this. And he takes the best for himself. But it's ironic, as one commentator points out, that the lush land that Lot chooses will soon be consumed by fire 
when God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. Wow. Wow. So what by faith, or sorry, what by sight looked good actually turned out to not be all that good. Lot chooses by sight. Abram chooses by faith. And there's a world of difference there. And anyone that's been a Christian for any amount of time knows that difference. By faith and by sight, we walk by faith, not by sight. Things may look terrible, and yet we walk by faith in the promises of God. See, we need to be reminded here that true faith expresses itself in our lives, right? It shows itself in the way that we live our lives. Abraham knew that. He believed that. And that's why the New Testament goes back to him as one of the prime examples of faith over and over and over again, as we saw last week. And we know as Christians, we are to walk by faith and not by sight. I don't have to tell you that sometimes in life things are going to look bad. There are going to be problems. By sight, maybe, the unpaid bills are piling up. By sight, maybe our spouse's addiction is getting out of control. By sight, we have job problems. We have broke problems. By sight, we have maybe educational problems. We can't get the education we need to escape our situation. Maybe by sight, our kids' bad attitude problems. Or by sight, the scarce prospects of finding a godly spouse. I could go on and on and on. By sight, things look terrible. And yet you and I are called to walk just like Abram, by faith and not by sight. We need to be reminded here from Genesis 13 that while these problems seem big by sight, by faith, they are nothing. Now that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean they don't hurt. That doesn't mean there won't be a struggle. That doesn't mean that you won't wrestle between by faith and by sight. And some days you choose by sight and you have to come back to the Lord and say, I screwed up. It doesn't mean that we're not going to experience pain and suffering. And yet the call to walk by faith and not by sight is still true. Abram, resting on the promises of God, said to Lot, you go left, I'll go right. You go right, I'll go left. I'm not worried because I'm standing on the promises of God. My question to us is, are we standing on the promises of God? This morning, whatever we are facing, are we standing on the promises of God? Or are we standing on something that we are seeing with our two eyes? What kind of faith do we have? Is it being expressed in our everyday life? A faith that says, anything you want for my life, Lord, here it is. A faith that says, anywhere you want me to go, I will go. A faith that says, with anyone you want me to work with, here am I. Send me. Anyone you want me to work with, anyone you want me to minister to, anyone... You want me to love that seems unlovable. Here am I. Send me. That's the kind of faith that we're being called to from Genesis chapter 13. A faith that is expressed. But returning back to our story with the separation of Abram and Lot, not only does Abram express his faith, but we also see that God blesses his 
That's our second point. Faith blessed. Look back at verse 14. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if, no one, can, if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring will also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. See, what God is doing here is reiterating the promise that he just gave a chapter before. Right? Same promise, the people and a land. And Abram now is invited by God to look out on the land and dream a little, as if it were. Dream some. But remember, as we pointed out, the land is still full. The land's still full of people, right? The text says here that the Canaanites are still there, right? Others are still there. And so he's still trusting God for something that hasn't happened yet. God's saying, look out on that land. That land that's full is going to be yours and your that come after you. It is as if God is pulling back the curtain on, a, on his promises just a little bit to say, Abram, check it out. This is what I got, right? What came to mind, the example was, it must have been well, uh, what it's like when Annie the orphan, if you've ever seen that movie, has the prospect of being adopted by Daddy Warbucks. And Daddy Warbucks just kind of says, you know what, all I have here is yours, Right? an orphan that had nothing, and then comes to a mansion, all the mansion and the grounds and the maids and the cooks and everything that they, she could possibly want. It's yours. Take a look. Walk around. Same thing God's doing here. It's an invitation to dream a little, an invitation to taste and to see the goodness of God. But I think there's also something at play here that's important for us to see. God's response to Abram's faith. Yes. God responds to Abram's faith when he says, Lot, you choose first. How does God respond? He does so by blessing or rewarding Abram. Now let's go back to taking our cues from here from the New Testament. We had this for our uh, preparation to worship. Hebrews 11.6 And without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he what? Rewards. Rewards those who seek him. See, faith believes that God rewards. Faith believes that God rewards. And you know what? That's not a bad thing. Our God loves to lavishly give good gifts to his children. No one can outdo God as a father. You ever notice how a divorced couple tries to win over the kid, right, by giving better gifts than the other parent. You ever notice that? One would give, you know, this, this uh, smaller gift. The next one gives a bigger gift to one-up the other one. But guess what? No one can outgive God as our Father. He rewards and blesses faith that is expressed. And you know what? Unlike an envious divorced parent, God always has our best in mind when he gives. He always has our best in mind when he gives and when he blesses. Now sometimes, especially in our circles, the idea of God rewarding or giving good gifts 
kind of gets a bad rap. What do I mean by that? Well, I, what I mean is that sometimes the abuse of this truth leads to something like this. Let me know if you've heard it before. If you just trust in God, you will always be healthy. If you just trust in God, that unpaid bill is going to get paid. If you just trust in God, you're going to be the happiest person, the most satisfied person. You're going to have your best life. And you know what? It's simply not true. Sometimes, a lot of the time, when we walk by faith, we're going to be broke. Sometimes when we walk by faith, our lives will be physically endangered. Think about William Tyndall. He went to his death for bringing the Bible to average people. Sometimes when we walk by faith, we will suffer spiritually. We will suffer emotionally. We will suffer relationally. A lot of times we may be joyful, but we may not be happy. But even with that correction of the abuse, the truth still holds that God rewards faith. Let's think about that for a minute. Pastor Santo reminded us last week that our reward is mainly in the future. And that's good for us to meditate on for a minute. Our reward is mainly in the future. When Christ returns, when that new heavens and that new earth comes, there's going to be no poverty problem that time. There's going to be no job problems or educational problems or food problems. God's blessings will be abundant. Sometimes all we have in this time is God's presence and his promise in this world. We need to be reminded that God himself is our greatest reward and our greatest treasure. If we walk by faith like Abraham, God may not give us our dream job making a hundred bucks an hour. Or that special car that we want in our driveway. Or that mansion there on the beach. But he gives us his word. He gives us his promise. And most of all, he gives us himself. So when we think about in terms of what the reward is, we got to be careful to make sure that first and foremost, it is God himself. That's what he gave Abram. Sure, he told Abram to go and to walk around that land. There was a physical, earthly reward. Yes, there was. But you know what with Abram? He didn't experience the whole thing, did he? Nope. He said, yeah, I'm going to give you that land. He said, I'm going to give you that offspring. But Abram would just have a taste, not the full meal. He would have just a taste and not the full meal. He knew that would come much later. He believed that by faith, right? Hebrews tells us that. He believed that he was only going to get that taste, that the full meal, that full buffet, it was coming, but it was not coming now. And yet, still, in the present, God gave him a blessing. See, we need to be reminded here that God gives us rewards and blessings as a result of living out our faith in the here and now. And they are just a taste. They're just, yeah, we want to count our blessings and name them one by one, as that old hymn says, right? We want to be thankful for the houses that he gives, for the jobs that he gives, the friends, the food, whatever the small blessings that God gives us. We want to praise him for that. We also want to realize that that's just a taste. 
Not to get our hopes up in these things. These things may come and they may go. And yet our greatest reward, our greatest blessing in the present now is God himself. His presence and his promises to us. We are pilgrims, passing. We're strangers. We are aliens. We are sojourners making a journey. This is not our home. Our full reward awaits us in glory, in our heavenly home, just like Abram. Abram believed that. He knew that he was just passing through. He lived in tents, right? Sometimes we forget because we live in, in permanent houses that we're just passing through. I like that illustration that Pastor Santo used last week about the um, uh, rabbi, right? The rabbi that uh, he, he has no furniture in his house and someone comes to visit him and uh, the guy asks him, where is your furniture, right? The rabbi looks back at him and says, where's yours? And he says, well, I'm just passing through. I'm just a pilgrim. And then the rabbi answers him back saying, so am I. So am I. I'm passing through. You and I are pilgrims. This is not our true home. No wonder God doesn't give us the full reward because he doesn't want us to get too comfortable here. This is not all that there is. And as we come to a close here in our text here in Genesis 13, I want to bring about one more thing to our attention that we see here through Abram. He shows us that the life of faith is a life of worship. What do I mean by that? A life of faith is a life of worship. How do we express our faith and where, our tr where is the true blessing to be found in our faith? It is in worship. Let's look at this real quick. Verse 4 and also verse 18. Before the incident and then after the incident, what does Abram do? He stops and he worships God. Before the problem and after the problem, he consecrates himself. He sought the Lord. He built the altar. He worshiped God. He realized that his greatest reward was God himself and the enjoyment of God. And that's why he begins and ends this time in worship. Abraham set apart time even in his trouble, even in his pain to say, you know what? My life is more than this. My life is all about worshiping and enjoying God forever. So this morning, as we close, I want to ask you that if God, is God your greatest treasure? Do you treasure him more than his gifts? To be honest, that's hard for me a lot of times. I enjoy his gifts. And sure, I say thank you, God, for those gifts. But how much do I enjoy those gifts over enjoying him? See, those gifts are just a conduit. Those gifts are just a means for helping me to worship him and enjoy him more. And I want to ask us, ask us to honestly check our hearts, to ask the Lord to do work inside of us that we would treasure him more than we treasure his gifts. It's my prayer for us that as we meditate on God's faithfulness, that it would produce a, a faithful response just like it did in Abram's life, but in our lives today. It's an invitation for us to worship the Lord together and enjoy Him no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what struggles, what trials, 
what obstacles we may be facing, here is an opportunity for us, just like we will celebrate in a few moments, to worship and enjoy the Lord in the moment. The moment is here and now. The choice, whether to be one that lives by faith or walks by sight, the choice is ours right now. Sure, God is helping us. Yeah, of course we need God to help us. But we must make a choice to either walk by faith or walk by sight. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that your word is, is pleasant. Your word is uh, as sweet as honey on our lips, God. Your word is more precious than gold and silver and, and money and houses and jobs, retirement accounts. Whatever it may be, God, we thank you for the example of Abraham. Abraham, all throughout the Bible, is put forward as an example of faith that shows itself and faith that you reward. And so, Father, we pray for the grace maybe to uh, just be honest and to confess our failures, Lord, to you this morning. Maybe just for the grace to say, you know what, my faith has been uh, kind of wavering. My faith has been not by faith, but has been by sight. And Lord, for us by faith to look upon you once again, even as we partake of the Lord's Supper, to enjoy and glorify you as we by faith receive your strengthening, your encouraging, your help. God, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. And we pray this week that you would help us to enjoy you as our greatest treasure, our greatest reward. That is a God-sized prayer request, Lord, and we pray that you would do that more and more in us and start right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.